0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Well, it is certainly great to be back with you today on Revival from the Bible after a couple of weeks off, and I am excited and confident that we are going to continue to find amazing things, to find life, to see God and His glory as we continue to dig into God's Word together. And as we do that today, I want us to think about our aim in life, what our goal really is, and really to ask ourselves, is it position or is it people? Which is a bigger priority to us, our position or do we really care about people? And I would think that most of us have interacted with enough people in our lives to see the difference here. We've probably known people that had a position and that's what it really seemed to be all about for them. This could have been, uh, you know, somebody famous, somebody in your workplace, even somebody in a ministry context where it seemed all about the position. But then we've probably also known people and met people that no matter what position they had, it really seemed to be that there was a focus on the people, on loving people, on serving people. And today I want to ask, well, what about you? What is your focus? What is your priority? And we're going to start looking at that by looking at Luke chapter 14 together as we look at verses 1 through 11. And it talks about uh, this episode of Jesus on the Sabbath, uh, having dinner, dining at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. And we see a couple things here. First, we see Jesus heal a man. And it says that there were in verse two, and behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And it says in the verse before that, that the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. So they wanted to watch and see what Jesus would do. So already that shows you they're not caring about this person, that there is a a man there who is sick and they're just sitting back and watching, watching to see what Jesus does. And we don't get the sense they're watching to see, oh man, I hope Jesus heals this guy. It seems that they're really watching to hope that maybe Jesus does heal the guy for a bad reason because they want to catch him saying, ha, look, you did this on the Sabbath, and that's not what we're supposed to do. And so we see from the beginning there, they don't care about this person, but Jesus does. And Jesus, he he knows what they're thinking. He responds to them by saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And the Pharisees remain silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. So Jesus cares for this person. And in verse five, he says, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. They didn't care about this person. But Jesus, he says, hey, wouldn't you care if it was your son? Wouldn't you care if it was your animal even? Why should I not care for this person? In Why would the Sabbath day prohibit me from caring for somebody else? That The Sabbath was about prohibiting them and making them rest from work, rest from making a profit, from making money. Even in the Old Testament, we don't get the sense, oh, on the Sabbath, you can't help people. Um, And and that's what Jesus is doing here. And then in the second kind of episode that or section of what what is recorded is a parable that he tells to those who were invited. And it's a familiar parable where he says, hey, when you're invited to go to a feast, don't sit in the place of honor. Because if you do, someone with higher honor than you might show up and you might be asked to move down and that would be embarrassing. Instead, choose a lowly place. And then if you are invited to move up to a a place of greater honor, then great. And he sums it all up in verse 11 saying, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus is saying, don't seek honor, don't seek glory for yourself, Uh, humble yourself. And one way we see Jesus doing that is by serving other people. So now let's bring it back to you. What is your life all about? Is it about uh, you? Is it about uh, you seeking position and honor and glory for yourself? Or is it about serving other people? People, what is the bigger deal? And just think about this in various areas of your life. Consider, you know, what your career or your vocation might be. What is your focus in that? Is it focused on I want position, I want fame, I want status or success, or I want to make money and be rich? Is that what it's all about to you? Or is it about, hey, whatever I'm doing, I want to do it to the best of my ability to serve people. And my coworkers, my boss, my employees, whatever, I want to serve them. And even my customers or my clients, I want to serve them. That I think, even as we think about a Christian view of the workplace, that should be one of the driving factors. It's not just about making money. It's not about seeking uh, fame or status. It's about we wanna do something to serve people. And that's one of the beauties, I think, really even of an economy is uh, people do valuable things that other people find worth and it helps them and it's a good trade-off for everyone. And what's gonna make that even more healthy is when people have a genuine desire to serve others and to do something that will help other people. So think about it in that sense. Uh, Think about it also in a ministry context. Uh, Having worked in the church and grown up within the church, you you can see a lot of this all over the place. You can see people that I I want to teach or I want to be a leader of a small group or a leader of a ministry because I want to have the word leader attached to my name. And that's really what it's about for some people. They want to uh, have a position, even within ministry. And then there are others that really, the focus is on people. And they may have a position. They may be a pastor. They may be a leader, uh, whatever it might be. But even as they do that, their focus is on serving other people. So even think through your local church, what is your focus there? Do you want some position? Do you want people to look at you and say, "Ah, you are worthy of honor," or are you showing up just saying, "Hey, I'm here to serve people?" And if that leads to a position, and if I get uh if I get some level of honor for that, great, and glory be to God, but I am here to serve people. And, and this is a repeated theme for Jesus. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. And we are meant to follow in those footsteps. And I hope this passage from Luke 14 encourages us to do that. Let's go back to the Old Testament now and the book of Job. And uh, I Realize I'm jumping in midstream here and I'm very thankful for Pastor Charlie and Keegan and Cody for filling in in my absence and thankful for them and their love for the word and their ministry to you all while I was gone. But as we jump in here at midstream in the book of Job, one thing that's good to be reminded of is let's not get an overly simplistic interpretation of Job, when he gets into this long dialogue with his friends, it's easy to just want to say, well, whatever Job says is good. Whatever his friends say are is bad. And as we get into that, that's a little overly simplistic. It is true that what his friends say is pretty much bad and they will be rebuked for that in the end. Uh, but what Job says, I think is going to be somewhat mixed. Uh, we see from the book, it's clear Job does not curse God and reject God like Satan said he would. So he passes the test in that sense. But you have to remember by the end of the book, Job is saying, hey, I repent in dust and ashes and I'm going to shut up. And even he is sorry for some of the things that he has said. So we need to look at some of the things Job says and realize some of them are going to be good and others not so much. And in our reading today, we go through... uh, chapters 16 through 20. And that's enough for us to see kind of two back and forths between Job and his friends. Job speaks in chapters 16 and 17, and then in 18, Bildad responds. And then in 19, Job replies again. And then in chapter 20, Zophar speaks. And we see the overly simplistic reasoning of his friends both those times and basically saying, hey, the wicked... Uh, they're going to be judged and that's going to show up right here, right now. And we know the wicked will be judged, but what we know is that doesn't always show up right here, right now. Sometimes the wicked do prosper in this life or they do prosper for a season. Uh, so we know that their counsel is not right. But in Job, we we see some things that uh, we, we see really just uh, some of his despair in this. And, and that's where I think even some of the things today you know he really makes it sound like God is against me, and that's something if we are believers, sometimes it's tempting to think that way. It's tempting to think, man, it feels like God is against me. But if we really step back and look at scripture, we we need to say, you know that's not true, even when trials are coming. if God is my father, if I have one of his one of his people, he is not against me. God is not out to get me. if I am one of his children. But we also see something good from Job here in chapter 19, where he says in verse 25, for I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed yet in my flesh, I shall see God. And our hearts should also faint for that day. So there's still an expectation. God is going to come. His Redeemer lives. He will stand on the earth. He will see him and he will be vindicated. And that is a hope that you and I should share from what Job says. And some of this really brings me to our next passage. And I think we see some similarities in Psalm 102, where we see a psalmist that is discouraged. And even yesterday, Cody encouraged you, hey, Even keep on reading. Yesterday's section of the psalm was kind of the intense uh, negative part pouring out just our sorrow to the Lord. And that is something that we need to do. But today we see uh, more of just kind of the positive um, and the turn in the prayer where in verse 12, he says, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. We need to come back to that in our prayers. It's good sometimes to lay out our sorrow, to pour out our burdens before God, but then to come around and say, God, you are on the throne and you always have been and you always will be. And even you see some of his prayer here is really then leaning into the character of God verse 16, for the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. So even when you feel needy, you can go to God and say, God, I need your help. And you're the kind of God that listens to the prayers of people in need. And so we should bring that kind of confidence into our prayers. So if you're going through trials, Let's not adopt a mindset of, oh, no, God is out to get me. Let's keep the mindset of my Redeemer lives. God is on his throne. And even though I might be feeling in the dumps and going through some hard, hard trials, I can lean into a God who is in control and a God that listens to the prayers of the needy. Let's wrap up today as we wrap up the book of 2 Thessalonians and look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And as we look at this, one thing we see here in this passage is a warning against idleness. And that's a good thing, even as we talked about somewhat our our role in the workplace earlier. One thing we should be reminded of is, uh, no, we should not be lazy people. It's God's will for us, even it says there, to earn their own living that we should not be desiring to live off of the generosity of others. If we are able, uh, we should be seeking to work and to earn our own living. And part of that is that we're not busy bodies, but that we are living quietly and uh, minding our own business to an extent and earning our own living. And that's a good thing for Christians. But one phrase stood out to me most from this chapter, uh, and that is really at the beginning. And as you've heard the last couple days, just some of the pressures this church was under and uh, they're praying. Paul's asking them to pray for him, that he might keep going. And Paul's trying to encourage them as they encounter persecution and suffering. And in verse five, I love what he directs them to. He says, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. If you're going through a trial today, I want to encourage you May you direct your hearts to the love of God. If you are a believer, you can know for sure God loves you and to the steadfastness of Christ and look at how Christ went through trials and bore them and was steadfast and faithful through them. And may that encourage you to do the same. And it's been great being back with you today. I'm so excited from what we learned from God's word and let's do it again tomorrow. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. And as it says at the end of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.